I'm Kat. And I'm Gabe. And we're the, the ghouls, ghouls Next Door. door. Talking about that spooky stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So this is our Romance Gone Wrong series for the month of February. It's the month of love. And how that's just bad because romance is a whirlwind of scary. Yeah. Yeah. We've all been there. <laughs> Am yeah. I right? Uh, yeah. And last week we told you not to have sex. Okay. We explained the dangers of not having sex. And today we are sitting you down and we're talking to you because you had sex, didn't you? <laughs> you had sex, even though we said not to. So this is our 46th episode and in line with our romance gone wrong we're talking about dangerous sex but we're talking uh specifically today the dangers after sex um specifically when it's it's not wanted sex that we didn't want yeah so last week we talked about um basically like during sex the dangers this is the after more um mean girls-esque yeah. Yeah. Well, so like in the first episode, we talked about how the actual act of sex, especially when non-consensual, can result in phallic, I mean, uh, sorry, uh, fatal <laughs> disasters. Uh, and today we're talking about what happens after you've survived the act of sex and now suffer the consequences. Dun, dun, dun. Um, sadly, usually the consequences comes on one party. Yeah. Um, and at least what we're talking about today. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so last week I was talking about how I grew up in Florida and we don't really have sex education. We have abstinence, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. is, you know, what it is. <laughs> so if you have sex, you will get an STD and you will die from that. Yes, Florida says so. Mm-hmm. And I can't speak personally about STDs, uh, but I can say that sometimes sex is a motherfucker and can cause all kinds of problems if you are uneducated. Mm-hmm. and aren't taking care of yourself. So um, we also talked about rape culture quite a bit last episode, and today we're talking about the repercussions of this culture, um, the effects that it has on society and the people who are, um, you know, walking around having to deal with this. Yeah, I mean, it's just that classic double standard where, like, women, you need to stay innocent. You need to make sure that your innocence is preserved because then what man would want you? Mm-hmm. Where it's like, one... What if I don't even want a fucking man? Get out of my face. To, <laughs> like, sex is fine as long as you don't die afterwards. Like, you just got to be smart. You got to learn the stuff. Like, if we just taught people the ideas of consent and intention in schools, we would be fine. Yeah. Teaching safe sex. It'd mm-hmm. be the coolest thing. You wouldn't even have to sit on the backwards chair and then... It would just be cool. Like, everyone would be like, oh, that's so great. Yeah. A boy is nice to me or a girl is nice to me and we, like, like each other and we know each other. And then I know what a condom is, so, like, I'm prepared. Mm -hmm. And then I use that condom so that I don't get an STD. And then also it's consensual because, like, we talk about it beforehand because it's not this crazy thing. Otherwise, you get sex curses, STDs, and destroyed ear canals. Yep. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to be talking about two films that really cover this, uh, which is It Follows, which we have been itching to cover uh, since the dawn of this podcast. Because it's my favorite movie. Yeah, it's I mean, it's phenomenal. And people have also asked us to do this podcast, this episode, because it is people's favorite. Fine, it's not for me. (laughs) Yeah, this and uh, eventually (laughs) when we cover Get Out, uh, we... Yeah, that's another popular favorite of Mm -hmm, modern mm -hmm. horror films. But we also watched Contracted, 
which we were not super excited to watch. Um, Just because it's yeah, really gross. Yeah, I had watched it before, and this time around, significantly more angry. What I found is that uh, with this podcast, I now have these like analysis glasses on, and mm-hmm. so I can't, you can't like, just watch a movie. I can't, and I'm just yeah. like livid instead of just like sitting there like a just like a flab of human meat, just like I'm just absorbing the content that they're feeding to me. You know, instead I'm like, what is this? Like, Cancel why? it! How dare you? Yeah, oh and God. I just I just feel like as older humans who mm-hmm. have a good amount of knowledge on like why film does what it does or like social issues and trauma like learning about those things now you just like you can't help but see it it's like you had the forbidden fruit you're just like oh everything's terrible all right well i missed when things were okay but no they weren't okay the whole time i was just blind no yeah and it's just crazy now looking like i agree i can't watch a movie without like thoroughly mm-hmm. being like well i wonder why that happened or that angle was really nice or like, so, yeah. like, like stuff you say where i notice now like film angles yeah and like when a shot's really good and you'll say it i'll be like i know wasn't it yeah or, like, this is before, why i'm enjoying this yeah i had no idea before that it had anything so yeah, yeah i was blind and now i see yeah absolutely and we can't unsee is kind of the thing (laughs) we can't take it back there's no going back once the veil has been lifted and you are now watching media critically which is important i think uh and we're going to kind of talk on how um one of these films was very purposeful and the other one was very not that and so kind of understanding like even when we're talking about like podcasts ourselves like i feel a certain allegiance to trying to be as factually as possible um and like really taking this serious and understanding that this is gonna have an impact uh no matter how little out there and it's like you can't just if you're making something you have to be aware of like the things it could possibly mean yeah you can't just go into things carelessly and like just say stuff like that's why you have so many celebrities that are getting like blasted because like they say stuff and they're like well i didn't mean it that way i didn't know and it's like well then don't just say stuff yeah yeah this isn't like college this isn't like your film school like five minute piece where you just kind of hang out with your bros and you make something real dumb because you're aspiring to be tarantino so you just you know are shooting from the hip this is like people pay money to watch it or people were paid money to create it. And in the end, if what you're saying is like complete trash and it's very clear that you have no understanding of the world around you, then well, we're here to put you in your place. Yeah. And we're, we're going to dive really deep into that because we have lots of feelings about both of these films, very drastic, different feelings, which is kind of like a trend now uh, that we are are finding (laughs) is that we are either really, really loving a film or really, really hating it. And they share a similar topic, which is kind of fun. Like last week, last week was uh, very different points of view. Yeah. Tell us if you hate it. I don't know. Cause (laughs) we're going down the spiral and I don't know if we'll be able to get out if, we keep going. So. Yeah, this is us now. So buckle up and enjoy this ride. So we're talking about basically the following uh transmitted diseases are not fun that's the headline of this but then also like the results of sex 
and how that like lens is always highlighted onto women and not so much always onto men where like the consequences, the big consequences, you will get an STD and die. That is aimed largely at women. And you see that in films because whenever there is a victim of rape, it is nine times out of 10, some innocent little woman who like, God forbid, ever lost her virginity. That's like the tragedy of a lifetime. And like, that is the thing that makes her strong and like come back and get revenge for such actions. And if you're a promiscuous woman, then they don't believe that it was rape. Yeah, because you wanted it, you know. Exactly. Because you like it all the time. So you clearly can't say no ever. Any woman who ever said that she wanted sex ever, they immediately are dismissed. Like, well, you do this for a job or like you have had sex with more than one person. So clearly you're just a slut and deserve it. Yep. And that's terrible. But you see that a lot like in movies and just like on TV as used as a plot point. And it's not usually explored in the view of like the victim. It's usually just like this like, oh, it happened. And that's the reason for everything. There's no exploring like the psychological trauma or the damage that it does. And we see kind of the version of that done right and wrong in the films that we're looking at. But it's Mm -hmm. also just really interesting that it's always from a male perspective in at least these two films. But we'll see also like when it's the other way, it's just interesting that there's not more female like led direction on what it's like because i guarantee if you look at any friend that you have that is a woman they've experienced some sort of uncomfortable at least interaction with um sex that maybe they didn't want it absolutely they've been assaulted in some light or large way mm-hmm. like it's everywhere the and me we, too like, movement definitely uh, yeah. shed light on that yeah we're like you look at anybody and they've experienced something very uncomfortable or just like awful And they just don't feel like they have the capacity to, like, talk about it. Yeah. Because no one believes them. Or it's blamed on them because they weren't, they didn't preserve that innocence that they were trying. Or society is always telling us we need to preserve. Yeah. So, um, basically, one thing I will say is even in film, but in life, rape is not about what you look like or how sexy you're dressed or Mm -hmm. any sort of promiscuous thing. It's about power. Yeah. So men in this instance, not just men rape, but in this instance, and the quote that I got from an article, which we will post, though men can and do leverage their power and influence over the illicit consensual sex with women, they also deliberately develop strategies for taking advantage of women through coercion. This clearly isn't about sex. It's about power. Men who assault women are not typically horror movie monsters, but simply the people who want to have power and control over women. Instead, you see the women turn into monsters as a result Mm -hmm. of this act. So you get STDs and die. Yep. Essentially. Or you turn into this monstrous beast that like no other man would want now or... Or you're murdering men. You're murdering men. Because we, yeah, that's the, there's two reactions to something like that. And one is fighting back and becoming a monster. And the other is hiding away. Yeah. And what we see is a lot that like, we'll just address the topic. We'll present it and we'll be like, that person was raped. So that's why they're like this. But we don't always explore the consequences of the victims. Um, And it shouldn't be good enough that that's just a plot point. Yeah. It should definitely be something that like. Is very real because one, everyone's experienced it in some way on some level, but that like 
it shouldn't just be used as a plot device because it's a real like life altering thing. And you can be strong without being a victim of that. But also that shouldn't be like the creation of the monstrous woman. There should be other things that cause monstrous women. Uh, maybe it's just like you woke up one day and you're like this now. And that should be fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you don't have to be raped. I feel like that's just a very big thing. Um, and I feel like it's used as shock value. And the fact that there's not enough films that like that are like it follows that really just like explore like the psychological end of it. Is upsetting and it shouldn't be acceptable. Yeah, well, or using it as like a a weapon for kind of like setting the tone of the mm -hmm. piece and of the the world that it exists in. There's an anime called Goblin Slayer mm -hmm. that is a dark fantasy world, um, and they use a scene of very graphic rape to kind of express this, or that's what like some of the audience is saying is that this is to express um, how dark it is. Like, yeah. look how awful it is that this rape could occur. And other people feel like it's just very superfluous. Like, there really is no need. Like, we can understand as humans that this world is already uncomfortable. This world is already wrong uh, without that. Um, and so, like, yeah. thinking about uh, season one of Game of Thrones, there was excessive violence and excessive sexual situations to the point where, like, people complained because the book is crazy, but it is not like that. And a lot yeah. of it had it was just gratuitous. It had nothing to do with the plot. So when you think about uh, when they use sex as this, or uh, rape, essentially, as just like a catalyst for the rest of the world of this film. So it's just like, look how bad it is. This is in it. Stop using it as a plot device. Like, it's... That doesn't make it worse there. Because it happens every single day here, and we don't believe people. Yeah. I think you said here about Britain. Yeah, so um, what they're trying to do is make it basically... They're changing their rating systems so that if there's any sort of, like, sexual violence or violence at all, really, towards women or, like, a rape scene, that... Anyone 15 and under, like, they need to put that in there that that is taking place. There's a new rating system so that no one 15 and under is, like, being exposed to that kind of stuff. Um, basically, I don't know exactly what, like, what triggered that other than, like, I'm sure there's just lots of films who just kind of, like, throw it in there. And it's, like, not explicitly said. And then you're, like, exposing young children, mm -hmm. teenagers, to, like, the acceptable... I guess, film version of, like, what violence is against people and, like, sexual assault and stuff like that. And you're not actually protecting those, like, young people from those images, I guess. But it's also one thing that's interesting is, like, 2018, this is a little bit ago, but I remember seeing this come out, is that Keira Knightley said that she doesn't do modern film anymore because, like, the characters in that film, almost always the woman gets raped. Like, that is used as a plot device in all, like, modern kind of, like, films where women are there. And she just stopped auditioning for modern films because she just didn't want to be a part of that and, like, didn't want to have to experience that kind of scene. It's also just frivolous. Like, she says that it just, her exact quote is, many male-written movies and TV shows are packed with frivolous and careless displays of sexual assault. So why would you want to... You're already aware that that's happening in the world. You might even be a victim of it. You don't want to relive that in a film. And like, why is it always there? Why mm -hmm. is it always against women? Why is it always happening? And why is it just not a big deal? Outside of revenge, rape is often used to justify why a female character is so hardened or brawny. And it's an impossible 
to imagine a woman being emboldened or traditionally masculine without having survived an assault is basically another thing that she's saying within that article is you cannot be strong in like, or just like not traditionally like submissive and like, I guess, overly feminine mm-hmm. unless you have been assaulted in some way or like something's wrong with you. Yeah. Something horrible has happened to you that's making you not act. Ladylike. Ladylike. And yeah. Fuck the phrase ladylike. I have so <laughs> many opinions on this. It's like, you don't get to tell me how I'm supposed to be, world. Yeah, and it's it's important to note that the, the films we're going to explore are not the kind of this hip new trend that exists in horror, uh, the horror genre, which is uh, rape revenge films. Uh, we're talking about the repercussions of rape and how sometimes it's okay for someone to need to live with it um, and not exact revenge on this grand and terrifying scale. Like, yeah. we would all love to torture those who hurt us, but sometimes surviving is honestly hard enough. Rape revenge films um, came into their own during the 1970s and are considered horror because of the way that they're utilizing rape, uh, like Kat was saying, as this, like, plot device. Kind of echoing the same ideas that slasher films had, which was using, like, sexual elements to advance or otherwise enhance narratives. So, like, that whole don't have sex you'll die. Uh, Mm -hmm. The blonde victim versus the final girl was that the final girl is the good girl. She's the one who's not having sex. And the blonde victim is generally like the promiscuous one. So Mm -hmm. those are plot devices that we saw all throughout slasher films. Yeah, don't have sex or you'll die. Like that's the narrative that's just like thrown at women all the time. Don't have sex, you will die. These days, the, the trend in horror is that these stories about rape um in women's issues unfortunately are being written and created by people who do not understand their subjects so mm-hmm. generally uh men <laughs> so yeah. uh there's a severe lack of female directors sadly i have scoured the internet and we get excited whenever one pops up you know last month we had a few but a lot of the times it is men who are who are running this industry with that is going to come s- a little bit of kind of misunderstanding, you yeah. know, not a full understanding of the situations. And this is incredibly evident, uh, practically screaming in contracted. So yeah. like that is just like, we will talk about it. <laughs> um, sure will. And, yeah. And I'll definitely, cause it, it is a, it is a mess, but the, the films we're going to discuss today were both directed by men. And although one is much better than the other, uh, it is worth remarking that we lose some of the allure from the story by having it created by a man. Yeah. It kind of discredits it to some degree. Uh-huh. Um, cause like, how dare you tell me how we feel? But at the yeah. same time <laughs> with something like it follows, uh, how are we going to talk about it? Essentially, like, you can... The fact that there's many characters, it just happens that we're following Jay. Jay could have been anyone. Yeah. Her sexual... Like, her orientation uh, doesn't exactly play in the way that it very strongly does in Contracted, uh-huh. which is where the problem comes from. So, for that, it's really more of, like, a rape survival story for anyone. Yeah. So, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt there. Yeah. Um, so it's not as bad. But we we have had uh, plenty of feminist films that explore rape and trauma with female heroines who, like American Mary by the Soska sisters, and uh, there's also Raw by Julia... I'm sorry, I'm going to mess up your name. DeCarno? Uh, yeah, DeCarno. That sounds right. Yeah, so she did Raw, which we'll talk about uh, um, later this year. Um, and then also, like, 
Jennifer's body and American Mary, we're given heroines that also exist as the story's villains because they become violent and murderous. Uh Uh, The heroines of our story, one a little more sloppily than the other, are simply trying to survive and are confronted by not only the trauma of surviving rape, but also the anxiety from those around them not understanding or believing them. So that's what these stories are about. So essentially, if we fix rape culture, we will no longer need rape revenge fantasies. We could instead exhaust our energy on more proactive and empowering stories and believing the people who are affected by these. Instead Instead of it... You know, an eye for an eye, essentially, like violence begets more violence. Like, it's okay for us to be like, violence happened, and now we need to heal. And that's what these stories are trying, uh, some, again, better than others, to convey. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, what a world would it be? The world would be better if it was better. What a world it would be. As we said, we watched two films. We did. Um, as we do. And we we have a lot to say about them. Yeah, <laughs> so, so I apologize in advance. Uh, we talk a bunch. Yeah, enjoy it. Uh, we're going to start at on a, on a good note. We'll start on a good note because then we're going to get real riled up. And I feel like it's going to be hard to, to go backwards. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, so we're going to start with It Follows. So It Follows is from 2014 and honestly is arguably one of the best modern horror films, I would say. Yeah, I love um, it. It's, it's my just favorite film. cinematically is gorgeous um, in the way that it really draws on suspense and tension um, with this like faceless, essentially villain, you know, and it just plays on paranoia in such a way that hasn't quite been done yet. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's honestly really beautiful. It's unsettling and it's uh, honestly an instant classic and yeah. <laughs> is just going to go down in history. Fun fact, um, I went on a date, and a lot of my stories are movies. You go on a lot of dates to horror movies. I mean, have you met me? I don't know. (laughs) So he was like, what's your favorite movie? And I was like, It Follows. Have you seen it? And he's like, no. I was like, oh my gosh. I know exactly what we're going to do then. But I think he really took it as like a Netflix and chill type deal. Uh-huh. Because he kept trying to like kiss me and stuff. And I was like, no, we're watching this movie. This movie's I told you this is my favorite movie. And also, it's like, you're not going to want to touch me afterwards. So like, why? Stop it. Watch this film. And he wouldn't watch it. Like, he just kept trying. And I was like, all right, well, we're done now. And we never hung out again. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but yeah. Watch <laughs> if someone tells you it's your favorite movie, watch it. And also, this is a great film. Yeah, that was a little fun fact story. Dating so hard. You're welcome. Uh, but for it follows for those who are unaware, definitely go out and and watch it. So this is what it follows is about. For 19 year old Jay, autumn should be about school, boys, and weekends out at the lake. But after a seemingly innocent sexual encounter, she finds herself plagued by strange visions in the inescapable sense that someone, something, is following her. Faced with this burden, Jay and her friends must find a way to escape the horrors that seem to be only a few steps behind. And is directed by David Robert Mitchell. And I would argue that this is rape commentary done correctly. Yeah. To a degree that it takes uh, its victims very seriously. And it it works really well to 
show the loss of innocence and not in this way of like you lost your virginity innocence that we find with monstrous films it's the innocence that you previously carried around that you could trust people and that everyone intended good things towards you but once something awful like that has happened to you the innocent that innocence is taken away so now you're paranoid now you're untrusting you don't know what's behind you you don't know like what the world is anymore because that like perception that like people would keep you safe is gone yeah and it's like it's also you lose that innocence within yourself because now you can't just like like you're so aware of your body and who you are now like you are so aware of how the world is looking at you so it's like uh adam neve taking a bite of that apple and then putting on the leaves so like that whole time they were walking around naked, never thought a thing about it, right? So then yeah. they eat the apple, they put on their leaves. So that's essentially like this this act that creates this this dissonance within yourself. So now it's like you're uncomfortable. And they, he shows that really, really well in this film, this like transition of innocence. And I, I commend it for the fact that it isn't like Jennifer's body or something, uh, or not even Jennifer's body, just this like teeth. Where it's like, this is your virginity and you're going to lose it. And it's like scary, you know? Yeah. And I, I think one thing that's really interesting about it is because this is something that we wrote down is that, um, it doesn't display this like violent kind of like traumatizing or like, I don't know. It doesn't make it a spectacle. The actual act of sex is like seemingly like innocent and like sweet. But then you realize afterwards, like how not okay this is. Cause then you have like the chloroform and then like, she's like tied up and like it gets real uncomfortable, but you don't actually see a rape, which is refreshing. Cause it's not using a woman as like this, like violence kind of victim of assault. It's she is assaulted. Yeah. But it's definitely done more tastefully and, mm-hmm. like, with respect to the woman, mm-hmm. I think, way more than other films you'll see. Yeah, like, thinking about American Mary, the rape scene that happens in that was so drawn out and very traumatizing. Teeth, all of those also very traumatizing. Even the ones that were supposedly not rape, you know? Like, those, it just, it's graphic and it's gratuitous. Whereas this was definitely, like, that was the beginning, you know? Yeah. And it was very obvious that this is like a catalyst but it it wasn't drawn out and it so it doesn't give us that tone of revenge film it gives us a tone of like sadness which is what you're supposed to have when you go through this film yeah um so like in the, the there's a lot of visuals of that so like uh in the film in the beginning she's on a date and they play this like guess what that person's life is like game yeah which is like cute like who it's hasn't fun, done that like yeah. I have people watch all the time and it, she's like warming up and he seems sweet and she's on this date and we get this like feeling that one she's very young so and she also seems like she's not projected out there to be um like skanky in any way like they're not trying to make her that way so we always I think it's feel interesting like that she's 19 yeah. yeah like but she has this like demure like innocence to her right so yeah. like we also get this feeling that she's, she's not just like on safe. dates all the time yeah. you know but she's just having fun with this boy who like took interest to her right yeah um and her her kind of like childish view of romance uh comes out because she's like describes that her childhood fantasy uh was essentially essentially just like holding hands with a cute guy uh in a car and this is the scene where she's telling him this story uh to hugh which is the the villain uh the uh-huh. human villain i should say um yeah. 
And while she's telling him the story of her, like, this very innocent, sweet thing, he is preparing chloroform in the back. Uh, And you're seeing that. Like, we're seeing this dichotomous, like, view of, like, her being like, oh, blah, blah, blah. Like, uh, am I so foolish that, like, could you believe that my ideal, like, romance was, like, holding hands? And then he's like, chloroform. Yeah. Like, that's because that's what it's like. You're walking around in your life. You're totally not. You're blissfully unaware of the world. And like you think the world is good and that it's not going to hurt you because like your life has led you to kind of believe that like people are good and like you're going to be okay. And that like no one would do something like that. Yeah. So like innocence is there and holding hands and it's like the world is okay. And then that stuff happens. And like, so it starts out where... You know, there is a sex encounter that does seem to be um, pleasant. And and she clearly was saying yes, because she had a date, right? But um, when you're seeing, one, the chloroform, and then you're also see- understanding the situation and that he was using her to just pass on this curse. Yeah. She was not given all the information. He was lying. He was manipulating her. And so this, she didn't really have the opportunity to make an educated decision about that. Yeah. So it definitely well, he takes manipulated away. her. He yeah. used her, like he coerced her into like thinking this was okay. And like a nice experience. And then like, she didn't really have all the pieces that she needed no. to like make an informed okay decision. Yeah. yeah. Like, he made it seem like he was just a nice guy who was in town for, like, camp or what. Like, I feel like there was yeah. something camp was happening. He, it's not even his real name. Like, that's yeah. what we find out later. Like, yeah. there's so many levels to this. And, you know, the fact that with... So, essentially, there's this villain that's faceless that you have sex with a person and then that villain comes to kill them. If it kills that person, then it comes back to you. Yeah. So like you need the person you had sex with to ha- to survive as long as they can so you can get away. That's the only reason why he tells her. Otherwise, he would have been gone. He would have just totally left her. And that's and like, the situation we would have had. With her dis- disclosing the the childlike fantasy shows that she's not someone who uh is just seeking sex for pleasure, which is Again, totally fine. She's clearly someone who's looking for a connection. So if you're giving her this fake connection to pass on this thing, she's not passing it on because now she's heartbroken and yeah, she doesn't. No, she's do it going for to be someone who dies now, and then it still comes back to you. If he had a dialogue with a person, like so, later in in the story, when she you know confides in her friends, um, there are are those who there's one guy who does not take her seriously and has sex with her anyway, but not because he believes her. But there's another guy who decides to take on uh, the curse, the with, curse her. with her, which is a different that's different. Right. So that's mm-hmm. like, I believe you and I'm going to I'm going to get down right here and here with you. Right. Yeah. That's a different communication. So like if he if you had confided in someone, confided in her and found that there was a kinship and was like, here is the facts of the situation. So if you have sex with me, this is what happens. Yeah. Then she can make an educated decision and then go forward. So if he found yeah. someone who was like, I have a connection with you. I care about you. I want to do that. And the film that's does prove different. that that can happen. Yeah. Which is interesting. Exactly. So the problem really lies with the fact that like he just used her and he's ill-advised. And yeah. there's using and yeah. What's unique about this film is that we are not like the clear answer for anyone watching it would be like, find someone who is promiscuous, like find someone who's potentially a sex worker who is continuously giving off this, this, uh, 
illness essentially and it gets it's going to spread so this is like when you're thinking about the film uh truth or dare right mm-hmm. at the end spoiler alert of this no one's going to watch it anyway uh they make it a viral <laughs> video so that everyone is playing truth or dare so that it will take forever before the game comes back to them because everyone is playing with her right yeah so with that idea it's like okay let's find someone who's going to have sex a lot because now we're spreading our numbers and the monster is going to take a long time to get to us which is what i believe you're trying to say yes so that was his, what i was trying yes. to say which is not the right solution but is used in like the ring and like truth yes. or dare and is like in terms of like the longest life of us for to survive yeah that is like i think where most people's minds would go but is not okay yeah that's, but that's not time. the answer yeah. and like him using her is essentially like a bad strategy to begin with yeah um but i also don't think he's very bright or was thinking very clearly and also By no means he's being stalked and attacked also yeah, yeah. but following that I don't think that's what is important. I think because again, I agree. The rape and all of that is happening so quick; it's gone. It's like it happens at the beginning and it's done. What we are watching and what we are living through in this film is the aftermath. Yeah, and that's what the important thing. That's why it's like I get it, and and even like so he talks about uh, the director says that you know people are always like talking to him about how foolish their their plan is like when they're gonna fight it and they bring it to the pool or whatever um the thing about that is he said it's on purpose because these are kids these are young people like of course they don't have a a actual plan of course it's not real they're not planning their zombie apocalypse things all the time they don't know they're just regular kids they're just trying to get through it (laughs) you got it so um essentially so we're dealing with this aftermath of of this situation that happened we're this loss of innocence on a grand scale right she's dropped home after being told that she is now cursed uh she's half naked she's doing this walk of shame she's clearly like distraught she's interrogated by police she has this like kind of traumatizing event at the hospital think about all the untested rape kits that we have and then eventually she's hit with depression and she's yeah. walking around as, like, the zombie version of herself. And she can no longer trust anyone who's around her. She's completely lost it. Um, and she's being followed by a faceless monster that can take on the appearance of anyone. It is, like... Oh, my God. It was so stressful. Yeah. Like, no one... Like, you can't trust anyone. Like, to her, it's like, if this, if this guy who I had assumed was nice, I had this lovely evening... Right. He was so sweet. We were we were having a good time. If If he could do that to me, who's to say that no one else could, that everyone else is nice. So that's what it is. Exactly. And so she she can no longer trust anyone. And visually, we see a lot of her honestly just staring at herself in a mirror. Mm -hmm. Um, And when you think about that, like. Uh, comparing it to like when you're getting ready for that first date and you're looking in the mirror and you're like confident and you're like accepting yourself, you're excited versus her looking now and noticing that she is no longer herself. And now again, she's criticizing herself. Essentially uh, what I read in uh, Bloody Disgusting, which is a blog that I follow, um, said upon arriving back at the house, Jay spends a lot of time staring at herself in the mirror, examining the body that has been violated by an intruder. Right. This is both the intruder that is that physically happens, like Mm -hmm. having been uh, having had a sexual encounter with someone who then revealed themselves to not be that. But also the intruder of 
like breaking your innocence, right? Yeah. You have this intruder that is like reality. Yeah. <laughs> and so she's staring like at you herself thought and the world that. was a certain yeah. way. You had a perception of yourself and now that's just fundamentally different. Yeah. And her like awareness. How can you trust anything yeah. if you can't trust what you thought you could? Yeah. And her awareness of self is very obvious. And like in the beginning of the film, uh, we see her like lounging in a pool and she, uh, there's like her neighbors are like young boys who mm-hmm. are like watching her. And at one point she like peeks up over the fence and she's like, I see you. And it's like, it's playful. Like, she's yeah. not like, how dare you? She's not like, this is disgusting. You're rude. Like go, like, she's just like, go away. Come on guys. Like, yeah. like you know, it's you. playful. Like yeah. th- those boys could never hurt her. Right. Yeah. But now after this situation has happened, she's in her pool and she looks at the fence and she's like, she understands that on the other side of that fence could be that monster. Yeah. That it could take the form of those boys. Yeah. That anyone could be that monster. And that she can no longer just sit here in her bathing suit, in the pool, in her own backyard and feel comfortable anymore. Yeah. Because she's aware that her body is here and that other people can see it and take advantage of it. Yeah. Which is just, it, yeah. <laughs> That's what it's I was very this, traumatizing. This it's, film is, yeah. does so well. With taking this, like, there's a lot of um, references to uh, innocence and childhood. There's a lot of use of very childlike things in it to really emphasize, like, how, you know, young she is just mentally um, and, like, being confronted with that. And that's what we're saying. Like, it's done right. Like, he tried this director. Like, he really wanted to do it right. You can tell. Effort was put in. Like... Good, yeah. good job. And I think and I think what's important is if you took this film and you swapped it with a boy, that you would get the same film. Yeah. Like, it, I agree. And I think it would even be, I would say, good to see that. Like, yeah. I think it would be refreshing to have seen that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because it happens both ways. To see a boy seeing himself in the mirror and realizing that he had been taken advantage of and that the world is different. Yeah. And I think that's really important. Like, in Contracted, we cannot do that. Because By no it's means. a mess, but it's a whole thing. Uh, yeah, and I think another important thing, and it's just like a, a clause in the monster. So there's a faceless monster. the The key thing about it is that it's always so it's always walking at you at this one maintained pace. Yeah, so that's slow. super super creepy. Because at first you're like, okay, whatever, uh, you know, uh, Michael Myers or whatever. When they're all walking slow, whatever. But the thing about it is, like, we have these panning shots, right? So the person will just be in the middle and we get this pan. So we're just taking in the environment, right? Yeah. It's just normal world. And after, like, the third time we've made a round, we've realized that that one person who was all the way at the end of this field is now getting closer and they are just beelining for you. Like, that is terrifying, right? Yeah. And just, like, the fact, like, the second you let your guard down, you try to be normal, you try to just live your life for a second, yeah. you could die. And the, th- the this is the thing, though, like when they so they escape, they try to to, to be on the run, her and her friends, because she yeah. confides in them. They're at the lake. And they believe her. The, which is nice. They believe her. Right. The problem is that they can't see the monster. Yeah. You can't see it unless you have been affected. Right. Yeah. So like as they believe her and they try to understand her, but no one will truly understand you unless they have also been through that. Yeah. So it's like this whole thing is like. When they're out at the lake, the monster is coming 
and and she's her back is to it so yeah. and you're screaming at the screen because you're like turn around turn around and the friends are just talking to her normal because they can't see it yeah and then it gets her and it's the most stressful and traumatizing thing but when you're because yeah, you see her hair like lifted yes, up yes yeah oh. that's all they see and that's to me was like one cinematically is really <laughs> stressful and awesome yeah. uh, as a horror because as a horror it, film it like takes like the elements of like paranormal activity but yeah. adds like real stress to it yeah because you see it as the, the viewer Ugh. but then when you're thinking about it analytically which is what we do now yeah it's also like saying something so profound that like no matter how hard people are gonna try they're never under like never truly gonna understand unless they've also been there yeah and i like that they do show the perspective of the friends where like you don't see anything there and her hair is just lifting but you know, once she turns around, then you do see like fully, yeah, the thing you're fighting. Yeah, it was very interesting, yeah. and I love what you said. That was so true. Oh. You're so smart. <laughs> Thanks. I have the best friend. <laughs> um, so, uh, some fun facts. <laughs> the film's concept derives from a recurring nightmare that the director used to have, which I think is amazing. This has um, like happened before. Yeah. So as someone who has narcolepsy and has like really vivid dreams when I don't take my medicine, um. That is so real that, like, the dreams that you have can just be so real and, like, horrifying or just, like, relevant to, like, what life is. Because your subconscious is just a powerful, wonderful beast. Yeah. Um, But the film's concept was derived from a nightmare that the director used to have where he would be stalked by a predator that continually slow walked towards him. Yeah, that's terrifying. It's just amazing. It's just, like... uh. Yeah, and that and then being, like... Making it real and making it what it is. Like, you know what? This is life, man. David, you did a great job. Yeah. And then the time frame of the movie is intentionally kept ambiguous so that it resembles a dream similar to teeth. We are told exactly when we aren't told exactly when it takes place. So it can almost fit anywhere. It's so intentional. I love this director. Yeah, David, like he just did a really good job. Um, so Robert D- David, David Robert Mitchell. What is my life and my words? David Robert Mitchell has cited the works of George A. Romero and John Carpenter as major influences on his style of filming and created decisions on it and in follows. So that's really cool. Yeah. Because when we watched a lot of films by them yeah. pretty recently. <laughs> uh, and yeah, no, it's just cool. It definitely has a mix of that. Like when yeah, you're thinking you about John Carpenter, thinking going. about that, the monster that is steadily following you and George A. Romero thinking about like an overarching actual political theme happening. Those yeah. are like two things. And there's that, that like deception beautiful. too. Like you think, you know, the person that you're with and you don't. Yeah. So that's like really. Yeah. And then the element of like survival as well, which is very George A. Romero. Yeah. So I think it's, I can definitely see the, yeah. those in there. Real cool, man. Um, and the colors red and pink are used to foreshadow the upcoming appearance of it as the they monster. appear um either in the background or a character's piece of clothing whenever it attacks yeah. so that's really interesting too. and there's another thing that i found really cool that's when how i was you can diving tell it's following you. what i found was interesting is there's an it doesn't outrightly tell you a lot of things like the way that horror films do like it has to rationalize every piece of yeah. like information this doesn't so there's like a scene where they're at the pool and the monster has taken the form of a man and the sister is like who is it? Like, where is it? What does it look like? And she goes, Jay goes, I don't want to tell you. And the reason she says that is because it is their father. 
Yeah. And the reason you know that is if you were paying attention in the beginning of the film, there's photographs on the walls and in the background of this man. And the mom is always drinking. So she has like this alcoholic kind of tendency. So the, yeah. the idea is either he's left, uh, maybe he committed suicide. Like there are things about it. Um, yeah. The fact that he's hurling these like um, items at her in the pool also suggests that he might have been abusive. Like there's yeah. so many. Le- and it's, it's not telling yeah. you. It's not. It's not. She's not saying it's dad. We can't talk about it because of my emotional ties to it because he abused us when we were children. Like that doesn't happen. He just, she just says, I don't want to tell you, which makes you like, what? It just looks like a guy. And then you go back and you watch again and you're like, it's their father. Are you kidding? Beautiful. David, five stars, 10 stars, all the stars. Well, it's just like, okay, if you're going to do something that's like, maybe not so much yours to do. Yeah. Be intentional. Think about it. Like, just really just try to not be the worst. And I think he just does a really good job of that, where he clearly is trying to be intentional. He's trying to be, like, respectful. And, like, even as you said, like, it could have been a boy in the movie and it would have still been. Like, he's really being intentional to not make it something so blatantly wrong that we see in so many other films yeah. and i think like as much as it would have been cool if it was a female director yeah it's okay like you did you tried really you hard did. and you did a really good job and you were very intentional and you were not trying to be offensive because you thoroughly thought through everything so that when someone can ask you about it later you at least have a reason yeah and i think that's wonderful absolutely yeah good job <laughs> friend yeah, so it's it's it goes down in the history of, of one of the better horror films. So we but we watched another one because yes. again, we had started with this idea that it was about STDs. And it's And not. my first go through of the film before I had my analysis glasses on, I thought that's what it was. And I was like, what a hip zombie film, which ultimately was what Eric England intending. is intending, but Okay. But now we look at it with a new perspective, and it was a ride. Yeah, so in this one, so this is contracted. It's from 2013, so it came out a year before It Follows. Yes. Um, During a rough period in her life, a beautiful Samantha reluctantly decides to attend her best friend's party. And even though she still struggles with a previous addiction, she unwisely accepts a drink from a complete stranger. As a result, shortly after, hapless Samantha considerably inebriated, she will end up raped in a backseat of a malicious predator's car. However, from that point on, the terrible incident will be the least of her problems. Straight away and rather inexplicably, inexplicably poor samantha will begin noticing rapid and drastic organic changes in her body and being unable to pinpoint the origin of the dramatic transformation within the next 72 hours she will embrace her gruesome and pitiless fate as well as certainly as well as the certainty that she is falling apart literally directed by eric england so this is rape commentary done wrong yeah and for a lot of reasons, it's because it wasn't intentional, because it accidentally fell into this category. And the problem is that he did not realize that it could do that. You yeah. don't put a man in a story 
taking advantage of a girl who, one, should not be indulging in alcohol, clearly does not have supportive friends who are feeding her this alcohol. She then is taken advantage of. She is saying no. She says no a bunch. And then later it's disclosed that she was, in fact, roofied by another quote-unquote friend who sold those drugs to this man. Like, one who's selling roofies. One thing else is it starts with the man committing... What is the thing where uh, you have sex with dead people? Oh, yeah. Necrophilia. Yeah. he does that, and that's, like, what supposedly is what... Like, Supposedly <laughs> is what causes this disease thing yeah. that is attacking yeah. her. But the thing is, like, you don't have a scene like that and not acknowledge the fact that that was rape. And that was the problem. So when it was first advertised and when it was first described on IMDb, it also, was excessively described as a, a one-night stand gone wrong. Yeah, and also, like, who is this guy who... He's fine... They're chasing him. They're trying to find him. He's going around sexing people and raping people that, like, is his penis not covered with maggots? Sometimes you have the carriers who are unaffected okay. by diseases. Okay, thank you. Because I was just like, why? Why is this yeah. happening to her? Like, yeah. And he's fine and, like, just spread it all around. So thank you. That, that makes sense. Yeah. And smarts. Yeah. Cool. It happens. Yeah, sometimes the carrier is unaffected. So um, that um, happens. That's uh, typhoid Mary was a carrier and did not exhibit any symptoms like she wasn't dying but she was excreting it and was killing a bunch of people because she thought she was a fun nurse who was helping people but she was killing them the whole time my question so has eric england ever met a lesbian or a woman or honestly a person ever has he ever in his life interacted with a person because none of these characters are real not a single one acts the way that people act it's absolutely absurd it's all fake it's all fake it's so absurd and then so in a in a podcast i listened to was like fuck this movie or something they interviewed eric england so i was like all right i'll get his inside scoop in it he essentially says that his intention was that it was going to be a zombie film yeah and that it it happens at the end which it is right but here's the thing i have to say about it if you're going to put maggots in a vagina then it better mean something yeah. Yeah. If you know, that's fair. If you're going to mention the words, if you're going to have your main character say, I am a lesbian 20 times in a film, it better mean something. <laughs> like, it doesn't. It doesn't mean anything. There's a part where she's at the doctor's office because she's finally trying to, like, get help, right? Yeah. And the doctor asks if she is sexually active. And her and response, I shit you not, is... I am a lesbian. It's like, lesbian sex exists. You're still having sex. (laughs) Don't just demean and belittle lesbian sex. It's still great sex. Don't say stuff like that. Like, he didn't ask if you had penetrative sex. He asked if you had sex. And even still, okay, if you use a a dildo, it's still a strap on. Like, maybe that hasn't been cleaned, or maybe it went into someone who has a sexually transmitted disease and then goes into you. Or you're not protecting, like, it's not, you're not exempt from sexually transmitted diseases if you are a lesbian. I want everyone to understand that. Essentially, it, I, it just uses a plot device where he has no knowledge or understanding of it, which is the second time that he does something like that. He uses rape as a plot device. Yep. He uses lesbianism as a plot device. Yeah. He uses any recovering real no- addiction as a, as plot, a plot device. device. Without any real knowledge or understanding of what any of those things mean. So you're doing a lot mm-hmm. unintentionally, but with 
all the little remnants of what you would think intention would be. Yeah. 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 So. I mean, like, so he, you know, he's trying to say that it's, it's not, it's just for fun. It's just for shits and giggles, right? Those are very serious things to use for shits and giggles. <laughs> exactly. Sorry. Well, but the thing is like the film itself almost seems like it's supposed to be this tale of morality. Like don't cheat or do drugs. You'll end up screwed. Uh, yeah. So uh, we have this heroine who she, she is a recovering addict, but we put that to the side. One, she did not cheat on her honestly awful girlfriend in quotes because that I, they they did not have a talk yeah. they did not have what is it the uh we didn't say we we're exclusive is yeah but what saying? is it like define the the talk dtr define the relationship yes. they didn't do that they didn't do it okay but this main character did not cheat which is what it is kind of shown to be like they confront her continuously like her quote-unquote friends are always just like what did you do like she and then she's like attacked because it's like the girlfriend like leaves her because like oh you slept with a man like and that's her problem too isn't that she had sex with someone else it's that she had sex with a man which is also kind of crazy right yeah. uh two she There's didn't do it on purpose yeah she didn't do it on purpose she was raped also eight months before she was not a quote-unquote lesbian as she's trying to hardcore be it feels like a weapon like when her mother yeah. she uses it against her mother who also is you know not super supportive or understanding as well yeah. but it seems very much like uh it's this yeah like she just used this to upset her mom yeah it's used as a and her point. friends like and to seem interesting plot device, which rather. is not okay like the one the girlfriend is awful but even with her being awful, no one deserves to be used as this device yeah. in your life. Like, no matter how awful you are. So that already was a problem. But, so she's raped and taken advantage of, and now she has to live with that. And she only lives for three days, as far as we know. Right? Yeah. Uh, and afterwards, her body is now strange. Right? She starts acting out. She seeks help, but is denied everywhere she turns uh yeah. the doctor's office the doctor's office is ridiculous absolutely ridiculous her mother who just immediately accuses her of being on drugs again yeah. her quote-unquote girlfriend who very clearly does not care about her her quote-unquote friend who supposedly this whole time has had a sexual like yearning for her yeah. which wasn't really clear until the girlfriend i didn't get that up. at all until later yeah, yeah until the girlfriend said something uh the boy who's infatuated with her and refuses to acknowledge that she has moved like she's not interested in him like he's friend zone 101 over yeah. there uh <laughs> he and he has no respect for people oh my god uh and then even her boss who has her who is at the time a disgusting dying body still come into work which yeah. is honestly a, a fun joke for anyone who's worked in the restaurant business. And you know that like you could be on your deathbed and your boss is like, you still got to come in. And there was like a lot of just like unclean things that yeah. happened, I guess, kind of show like how quickly this could spread. Where like the friend doesn't put anything on the toilet seat, just sits down. And that's the same toilet seat that like all of her like guts had fallen into. Yep. And then like her fingernail goes into the food. She's just touching the salad. Yeah. With her like. Sickness, dead hands dead people hands and then like yeah the guy's just totally cool going condomless and like you know there's yeah. just like a lot of like there's spreading so much things. and the girl kissing her like she's very clearly a corpse that's something that's another problem i had with this film is that we are seeing her disgusting yet 
no the people in the film aren't reacting like that's the case like she has like if she's dying to the extent that she is like her teeth is falling out her eyes fully cataract her hair is graying there's all this stuff right that she must be reeking she must smell like dead flesh yeah, there's no way are, she has maggots inside of her vagina and her yeah. nails are falling off that she doesn't reek of dead person. Yeah. Guaranteed. She like, has to. I want to like call up Eli Roth and be like, could you go and find this man and shake him and show him what really happens to the body? Because like I think about the scene in Cabin Fever when he goes to like finger the girl in the beginning and then he comes away and his hand is full of blood. And then I like reveal it and her skin is like gross because that's what it is. It's a it's flesh eating disease. Like that, none of that. Like you, she sees the blood, she's turning blue, but still people are pursuing her and making out with her and literally having sex and saying things like, oh, it feels funny in here. Like, are you kidding me? It was absurd. Like, yeah, she turned the lights down low and put on some makeup. Did you even put look at this person? in front of her face a little bit, but her cataract eye was still there. No one was like, hold on, hun. I need you to just like look at me in the face. So many people just let her go. She needs to be contempt. The doctor let her go. The doctor sees that she is disgusting, says, I can't give you anything that. Like, sees both of her eyes, sees like her skin that's blue, sees her nails falling off. It's just like, I can't give you anything till I know what this is. The words you say are, sweetie. Go to a hospital. Hospital doctors will take immediately medical care. He says, just don't come in contact with anyone else. Okay, what does that mean? It's like, no, go to a hospital and be quarantined. So she's like, dying's just gross. And I get it. Like, you're trying to be cringy. You're trying to be a body gore film. But again, there are better ways to do that. You take Eli Roth, okay? Like, he can do it. And that film, never once was I like, oh, this is possibly about rape. Ever. Because it didn't, it didn't touch on those things. Cabin fever does not touch on those things. It touches on uh, your body's gross, right? That was good. Was good. It didn't, there's no need to dissect it. This needs to be dissected because you are using these points as plot devices and then not using them responsibly. At all. Like it was just really disrespectful. It was a disrespectful film. And just saying like, you're basically taking the line of we didn't research so it's sorry yep you knew this the whole time we're just making something funny it's like no you let imdb say that it was a one night stand go wrong it wasn't there was rape um you're using all of these devices that are like culturally like things that are important and like people who are marginalized and like basically victim like all this stuff you're using all these things that are very serious things as like very minute plot to, you're what's wrong yeah it's like not understanding that their work means something and says something and that they need to take responsibility for that they just want to make money and it's not just fun and games and eric england's the, you putting a blanket over this that well i didn't mean anything by it doesn't ex- excuse you from your actions and this yeah. film is inexcusable to say the least yeah it's really bad I was very upset throughout this entire movie. Like, one, why is everyone so mean to this woman? But also, like, why are all these things being used so, like, recklessly and just, like, inappropriately? And it's like, I'm not one who gets offended very easily. I'm not. And I was offended this entire movie. What needs to happen is you need to say, okay, I realize that this could be misconstrued or that I was using tools that I had no right to use and I'm sorry and I'm going to do better. That's where, that's the thing that needs to happen. Just do better. Yeah. And it's okay. Like it's not, but we can forgive you if you opt to do better. Like you need to do better. And I feel like that's something that people don't say enough. It's like, I'll do better. I will try to do better and then actively try. 
Yeah. And do that's those what things. we do. Yeah. That's the road to forgiveness. Yeah. Talk to David Robert Mitchell and get his two cents on how to do this properly or watch it follows. It came after yours and be like, okay, I've learned from this experience. I know that the second one follows the guy, Riley, from the first one who was friend zone. We didn't even go there because I do not have the mental space to do that right now. Uh, We have not watched two. So we're going to see it from a male point of view. The problem is his doesn't jumpstart with rape, so to say, but it does have that same idea that there is and it follows where he was not given all the information and he was also passed along a curse, however willing he was to engage in sex with this woman. So I hope you did him justice. At the very least. Well, I hope people we'll take need to watch serious. it and then come back. I yeah. Guess. We'll yeah. just, yeah, we'll do a mini-sode of us having watched Contracted 2. Uh, maybe we'll, <laughs> we'll talk to you on social media, Eric. And we're going to watch it. And I, you know what? I might feel uh, strong enough to, to tweet at you to have you maybe listen. Maybe you learned. I don't know. I, and you know what? Maybe you come around and you say, I'm sorry. Or you say, wow, you totally misunderstood. And I say, no, no, no. You misunderstood what you were saying. <laughs> So come and engage with us. Uh, We like the discourse. This is an exceptionally long episode (laughs) because it's become so much than it is. Yeah, feelings. Yeah, I said feelings. Let's talk about feelings. Okay. Okay, so if you like it, it's David Robert Mitchell because applause. Clapping. I'll put sound on here. Uh, and if you did not like it, it is Eric England. I'm sorry, bruh, but I want to like you. I do, but oh my god, I just it was such you know, a time inexcusable. Or this uh, idea of horror films approaching rape survival as opposed to rape revenge. How do you feel? I like the idea. So, uh, David, David Robert, Robert Mitchell, Mitchell for the idea. I think it's really important to s- give the voice to people who have survived those things. And I feel like it's not done enough or not done well enough. Yeah. Um, so I think it's really important that we should see more of it. And then also just like not just using it as a plot device, yeah. like making sure that you're being really intentional. Yeah, and I think that's what's important, too, is, like, when you steer away from rape revenge and using rape, honestly, as, like, this plot device, which it follows very minutely does, like, the rest of it is really more about, like, human emotion and suffering, like, dealing with trauma. Yeah. uh, It's very much dealing with trauma. It's, like, my textbook 101. Yeah, which is, I think that's what's important. I think those those are the stories that we should be telling. When you use gratuitous violence and you just use sex as a plot device like that then that's where you've done it wrong so in that way i think i think it's important that in this time when rape revenge horror films are are, uh popping up and they've always been there like a spit on your grave a last house on the left like those things existed before and that like society doesn't bring justice to people who rape people so that there needs to be someone who's doing it as like a vigilante even though let's not call 
people who get murdering people as vigilantes, yeah. but like, you know, that like there isn't enough justice in society so that like people do need to take it into their own hands is basically what rape, rape revenge films yeah. are for me. And I think what it is, is that it's very important to the healing process that if all we're seeing is rape revenge, then you're internalizing that anger and you're internalizing that hate and you don't allow yourself to heal and grow. Instead, you're like attacking outwardly and you, you feel alone and you feel misunderstood and you just like lashing out at whatever's around you when you have narratives that explore like okay that happened to you your world is different and this is how we get through that that you can find people to confide in and that there are other people like you who can understand you and that it's always going to be there but you are being seen like yeah that needs to happen and it's it's yeah it's just honestly like for the millionth time i'm taking a course on trauma um and it's just really great to see because everything that those textbooks say it's a very new field but it follows does that yeah like it shows that like people are what help you get through those things and like having that feeling of being misunderstood and that there are people who will even if they can't understand that they will take the time to notice and Mm -hmm. like try yeah um or that even if they do like there are people who do understand it's just really beautiful yeah essentially rape revenge films do little for society um by instead of like just you know for um fun and entertainment purposes but something like what we're seeing rape survival stories do are twofold you can see that it could be both entertaining and scary and fun and also impactful and possibly um you know, rewarding and helpful to those who are experiencing similar trauma. Conversely, yeah. uh, let's go to the films. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, for So we'll start with, I mean, you kind of know how we feel about It Follows, but let's yeah. start with It Follows. Yeah. So uh, David Robert Mitchell. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 100%, 100% yes, David, David Mid- Rob- Robert, Robert Mitchell. Mitchell. Please. Why is your name so hard to say? David. I want- want to love you (laughs) David we love you and with it so with it follows what I think is really refreshing with this is that it's not like this slasher like essentially only two people die and although it is gory the way that they die the stress comes from honestly the anticipation and the unknowing and it, it 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 what I also liked about it is that it's not a don't have sex you'll die film yeah. It's not that. And I think that's really great. And so uh, Bloody bloody Disgusting also said, It follows as an anti-victim blaming masterpiece that gives a huge middle finger to the genre's anti- antiquated approach to sex. It's about a girl who, through absolutely no fault of her own, has her body violated. The world she's subjected to in the aftermath is complete hell, and there are no easy solutions. Her life has been forever changed, and non-victims will never truly get what that's like. Such is life as a survivor of rape, and the fact that we live in a judgmental society that is so quick to blame the victim doesn't make it any easier. Yeah. So specifically, because when we embarked on this, uh, honestly, when we embarked on this whole uh, four-part series for February, we had a different understanding what it was going to be about. So last week, we did not know it was going to be about rape culture. I just thought it was just going to be a fun time about like sex is dangerous, right? Today, I thought this was just going to be about the dangers of STD and I, or STDs. And I, when I looked into it and I was like Googling, like it follows STDs, bloody disgusting was right there at the top. And it defined, it said, 
It Follows is not an STD film. <laughs> and I was just like, uh, excuse me? And, what, <laughs> and they were like, no, this is about rape. This is about surviving it. And I was like, oh my God, I've rewatched this. I have this new, uh, like, understanding of it. And that's yeah. kind of what it is. And the same thing went contracted. When we when I went into it, I was like, here's two films where people have STDs because they had sex and something bad happens, right? Yeah. That's not what it is. It's not. That's not what it's about. <laughs> it's about rape. So I think it's... Well, the um, second director didn't know he was making a film about rape, yes. so let's also talk about yeah. that. But <laughs> It Follows is a beautiful masterpiece. And Bloody Disgusting is correct. Because, like, it does. It does so much. And, like, there's people who just, like, classically misunderstand it because they don't... Yeah. Like they don't, they just don't realize, or maybe they're not trying hard enough. And mm-hmm. it's just like such a beautiful. It's amazing. Film. Yeah. That's why it's my favorite. Cause it's so smart. It is very so smart. smart. Like my it's best so friend. so scary to yeah. Uh, f- we're contracted. <laughs> the guy who made it. Eric, Eric England. England. Uh, Do better. That's how I feel. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Two words. Do better. When you're taking it by the core emotions and like the, the story that we're being told is that this girl is a recovering addict. Her friends do not care about her. Her mom does not care about her. Her doctor does not care about her. She was taken advantage of. She's made to look, she's victim blamed. Yeah. Like it's essentially like the, what were you wearing? Or if you didn't want that, you wouldn't have been drinking so much. Like you don't deserve respect because you're a recovering drug addict. Right. Uh, your girlfriend is just a man-hating woman who actually doesn't care about you either. Yeah, they portray lesbians as people who just, like, hate men. Yeah. That's and definitely can't a get thing. get STDs. Yeah. Her answer for everything is I'm a lesbian, which makes me feel like it's not in a way that makes it feel like people are always doubting her being a lesbian. It's like she feels like that's a, a weapon. Like, oh, but I'm a lesbian. But I'm a lesbian now. It's It's rude. It's rude to any lesbian that has ever lived. It's rude to a lot of things and definitely 100%. I think rudest to like lesbians, 100%. Yeah. And then rude to just women in general, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I, I don't want it to seem like we're just writing you off as this like horrible man, like blah, blah, blah. It's very easy to do that. You've made it very easy to be like, this guy's trash. <laughs> I just um, want you to know that you you made that easy. But that is not what we are saying. We are saying that you did a trash job and you can fix it. And do better. Just, yeah, do better and understand that, like, yeah, we're not, we don't think you're the worst thing in the world, but we do think you're famous. And I think you have, like, the brain capacity to do that. And mm-hmm. I think you have the pieces there that, like, could maybe have been something interesting. It just was not done well. Yeah, if you had tried. I think you have a responsibility as a filmmaker um, in this day and age. You made this in 2013. That's not that long ago. Yeah, that was definitely a time when you could have done a little better. And so, um, you know, we let things fly if it's 1987. And even then we still cringe. But this is year 2013. bro. We believe in you. You can do it. Um, But you need to. That's more. Yeah, And if you want to talk to us, the line is open. Uh, You can for those of us out there who want to talk to us, you can talk to us on social medias. Um, you can go to our website, thegoulsnextdoor.com. You, you can, can be a ghoul scout at the at our Facebook ghoul group. Scouts Next Door. Yeah, we have Facebook. Ghoul Scouts Next Door on Facebook. It's a really great community. We share all kinds of spooky things. Um, you can 
interact with the community, share things with us that maybe we had no idea, um, learn more than just what you're hearing on our podcast. And it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, we're releasing shirts yeah. that, uh, you can purchase. Uh, we will soon know how, uh, that'll be released on the other medias that we stated. Uh, and we're working on that and they're really cute and we think you'll like them. Yeah, absolutely. And remember, you can always email at us at email us at the ghouls next door at gmail.com. We've and had people do it and we tell our moms. Yes. So. We want to hear from you in any yeah. way that we can, positive or not. Like if you completely disagree, like disagree with us and you You're think like, Eric hey, England's Eric a god. Eric England is the best <laughs> thing to happen to film. Please tell me why. I want to know. Blah, blah, blah. Like, or like we always ask like clowns to like reach out. We do. We want yeah, that because like clowns. we want to understand it. We think we don't know everything. And I think that's like the best way a human can be is to think that they don't know everything. Yeah. Um, and we want to know more. So if you have a story to tell, let us know. Absolutely. We're here. The door's open. So, uh, yeah. Don't get married. We'll eat your kids. Okay, bye. Bye.